seriously handsome. Where have you been hiding? I've not been hiding anywhere. Um, hi. I can make you an offer. Okay. What? An offer I rarely make. Such a gifted boy. Thank you. Hiding his light under a bushel for so long. Well, not hiding. You could live a long, long time. Live well, too. I could grow the show huge. Indulge yourself. Yeah, I might. No consequences. Sounds good. No hangovers. Oh, I'm, I'm in. I'm in. What do I do? Eat well. You are now listening to the You Run podcast, the only horror movie review podcast completely run and controlled by you, the listeners. You choose the movies, you score the movies, heck, you even review the movies. This is not my podcast. You run podcast. I've had to listen to every other episode. You run podcast. You fell asleep for a section. I fell asleep for a minute. (laughs) This is going to be a fucking riot. That's right. It is a riot. And it's going to be out of control. Out of my control. You run the show. All you need to do is go to our website yourunpodcast.com Just make sure you fucking listen, okay? You want to die tonight? Hello, and welcome to the You Run Podcast. Uh, My name is Scott, and each week I am your host, and I take you through the movies you have selected for me to review. Um, This week was really random week, where what I'd done is I picked a selection of all the movies that you've been asking for forever. I threw them all in a poll together um, to see what would happen. Uh, you had Malignant, you had Saw 4, you had The Conjuring 3, you had a real mixed bag. Uh, by an absolute fucking landslide, uh, Dr. Sleep, with Ewan McGregor and Rebecca Ferguson, come out way on top. I think the final was like 90 to 10 in favour of Dr. Sleep. Um, Dr. Sleep, if you know nothing about it, uh, reinvites us back to the world of The Shining. Uh, now with a fully grown Darry, Dan, Darry, Danny Torrance, uh, we follow Danny as he tries to keep a little girl safe from a soul-sucking cult uh, called the True Knot, uh, all while wrestling with his own addictions and inner demons. Um, this episode, I've got a co-host, as I have all season, and today I'm joined by Ian, um, who you, I hope, all know as one half of Podcast of the Damned. Uh, welcome to the show, Ian. Oh, thank you very much for having me. I'm I'm delighted you're here. And <laughs> I, I said it on I said it on the episode before this when I knew you were coming on. Um, we're not going to agree on this movie. No, no, we are, we are we're very much not going to agree today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I know that because you you reviewed this as your first episode on your show. Yeah, this was our debut episode when we were first starting the show. Me and my co-host were trying to figure out what would be a good way to kick off um to kick off the show and when my previous podcast before I, I did podcast of the damned i kicked it off by doing a really really popular pretty much universally loved movie i did halloween for the very first episode for that one and we thought we would go for something that seems to have maybe just a little bit of not controversy around the film but just you know differing opinions because it feels like a very very polarizing movie when you talk to people on social media about it and things it is. And I was really surprised. Obviously, we do three word review and we do give us a fact. And mm-hmm. I was expecting a barrage of it's a brilliant movie. It's wonderful. And loads and loads of facts coming in. 
this got absolutely bashed and I was gobsmacked when they were coming through. I was like, wow, okay. Yeah, I remember like, because obviously like we were still very much in our infancy when we did this. So we were still sort of forming things and I wish that we'd had a couple of our segments that we do now back at the very beginning because I would have loved to have gotten a bit more sort of people's opinions about that and gotten that on the show. But yeah, it's uh, love it or hate it. There no, doesn't seem to be much middle ground with this one. But I knew as soon as you sent me the list of all the movies that were potentially going to be for this episode, I knew in my head that Doctor Sleep was going to be the one that everyone picked. I just knew it. See, I wasn't sure. I thought it was going to be The Conjuring 3. And again, that would have been a, a good episode because I've got some very strong opinions on Conjuring franchise as a whole. I think I think we might have agreed on that then because I have pretty strong <laughs> opinions about the Conjuring franchise. Um, but before we delve too much into Doctor Sleep, um, about you. So obviously you, you've got your podcast now, Podcast of the Dam, that you co-host with Nico. Yep. Um, which is a, an interesting show because you you get quite fiery with each other at times. <laughs> me and me and Nico, we we've been we've been sort of best friends now. Well, best of friends for for a long time. We started off, we worked together. We both work in sort of hospitality, nightlife industry, doing very different things. Nico's a DJ, and I'm I'm a bartender. So obviously, very different things. But um, yeah, I, I'd had him on my previous show before. I did podcast at the Damned. I'd done a show called Behind the Screams, um, which was actually. A, pretty reasonably successful show we ran for about a year and a half and then things sort of went down different paths and some some disagreements were hard and things but you know that's it just it came to its end and so me and Nico decided to start up this this new one and one of the things that we sort of agreed upon at the very beginning was that you know we weren't going to take it easy on each other that um we would we'd go in for each other but you know it's it's I think it's it's a it's a very British thing, isn't it? Sort of yeah. you 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 bully your friend, not bully, but you sort of you have a go at each other, and you know once the recording's finished, that's it. You know, so whether we're disagreeing, and no matter how passionately we're disagreeing, once that recording stops, we're we're always still the best of friends. So I I get into debates with people on Instagram and things like that, and there are certain people I can debate with, and we can be polar opposites, and I know when that's all over, it's it's fine, and no one cares. Because yeah. at the end of the day, we're talking about a movie. Exactly. Um, there are some people online that when you talk to them, if they disagree, they will go down to the extent of, I'm blocking you now. Oh, I've had, I've, I'm, this was a while ago now, but I've had death threats. <laughs> um, <laughs> like full on death threats on Twitter from, from when I was doing my previous show for disagreements about certain movies and yeah people take it way way too seriously at the end of the day we're just we're just people sitting in our in our spare rooms in our bedrooms and you know just telling our opinions about horror movies and it's one of the reasons one of the parts of our show is that we try to get as sort of as many people's opinions on it as possible you know we do segments where you know we like you you've got your three word review and and tell us a fact and things like that and we we just sort of read out pretty much people's people's blurbs that they send us about you know what they think of the movie we include people's scores and how we sort of rank the movies so we really wanted to try and get as big a a range of opinions out there so that it wasn't just you know dominated by myself and my co-host yeah and I'm the same it's the reason I have guests on and I have varying guests and I have the reason I do three word review and give us a fact because no one wants to listen to just my opinion yeah, exactly. It's nine times out of ten, my opinion will be fucking wrong. <laughs> There's no such thing as a wrong opinion. <laughs> um, you've got something else coming up that I saw the other day that I'm quite interested in. What is the horror trivia challenge? So 
I, we, we, this is something that on my, on my old show, we'd kind of done a couple of sort of special shows where we just made like a giant quiz, you know, and we had a giant quiz between two people. And I was kind of wanting to sort of resurrect that for the new show, but I'm putting a bit of a twist on it. So the plan is to have as on as many weeks as possible between now and the end of 2022. So obviously the full year, a different person on every single episode to, um, pretty much take part in a 15 question trivia challenge to answer as many questions right in as quick a time as possible and then by the end of the year whoever you know gets the most right in the fastest time wins a, a yet to be determined prize <laughs> <laughs> which you're you're obviously taking on our quiz save me uh, later on this episode um which is very similar it's 15 questions the only difference is if you win you get fuck all apart from i'll, I'll go well done <laughs> that's 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 prize enough for me <laughs> Uh, um so yeah I, i'm looking forward to see how you do on that because you've been doing this quite a while and your horror knowledge should be fairly broad it, it should be but when when put on the spot you know you'll you'll know this when you're put on the spot for questioning you know sometimes that knowledge can fall apart um mine did because i took it on <laughs> i had a guest who couldn't make it on and i had um mark from mw horror reviews done the quiz for me and he's asking me questions that I should know the answer, and I'm just staring at him blankly, going, um, um, um. <laughs> One of the things, actually, when I first started doing podcasting, because I've been podcasting now for about about two and a half years, and um, one of the things, like over the past two years, is is figuring out where your sort of glaring holes in knowledge are about, you know, sort of massive movies that you know, like for no particular reason, but you maybe just have never gotten round to watching. It's like having that sort of Netflix watch list, isn't it, where you've yeah. got like five hundred things on it, and you plan to get to them all at some point, but you just never do. Well, we all sit in the same thing. We've got this long list of movies we want to watch. Something new comes out and all of that gets pushed back. Yeah. Whatever's at the bottom stays at the bottom and has probably been there for five years on my Netflix. Yeah, because for our, our episode next week, we actually um, we recorded that a few hours ago before before we're recording this. And um, it's, uh, it's a very low budget uh, sort of Scottish film. And we actually meant to do it four months ago like it was initially and it just sort of kept getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back and eventually we finally got to it today so yeah I definitely know that feeling I think by doing those movies that they're they're great movies to do because you bring people to that movie yeah but people will listen to your show and go shit that sounds good I'm gonna watch that or they're gonna go that sounds awful I'm gonna watch that I, I I can categorically confirm that I have actively on this episode advised everyone to not watch the movie that we're reviewing it's 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 abysmal it's absolutely terrible the the stupid thing is i'm gonna have to go and watch it now because you've said that it's it's about as bad i mean because it with the reason we we did it it's called attack of the herbals um and it was actually filmed about 20 miles from from where me and nico are from because we're from the northeast of scotland and um so that's the the main reason we're doing it and yeah it's it's uh you can seek it out it's on things it's on itunes i think it's on youtube as well so yeah definitely check it out if you want but i don't advise it <laughs> <laughs> well i'm gonna go and check that out um and what i'm gonna do now i'm gonna play the doctor sleep trailer uh, and then we're gonna get into doctor sleep awesome when i was a kid there was a place a dark place they closed it down and let it rot. But the things that lived there. Hello, Daddy. 
they come back. Not many ride the bus this far north. You're running away from something. from myself, I guess. Hi. You can hear me. You're magic. Like me. I don't know about magic. I always called it the shining. The world is a hungry place. A dangerous place. These people, they hurt people like us. These empty devils, they'll eat what hands. And they noticed that little girl. Wow, hi there. Get out of my head! Get out! I haven't felt power like that in so long. They're coming. There's a place. You sure you want to do this? I'm ready. Yes, you run, dear. And then I will find you. And you will scream for years. Come play with us forever and ever. opening thoughts it bears bugger all resemblance to the book which i've read um it, it takes elements from the shining and the book to try and tie the sequel together it can at times feel a little bit disjointed but if you've seen the shining the shining is an entire disjointed three-hour movie and it's my favorite horror movie of all time the fact that it's disjointed for me doesn't detract from the fact that it's got incredible performances. One of the possibly the best casts ever put together for a horror movie. Um, it's an incredible storyline. In my opinion, Dr. Sleep is Mike Flanagan's finest piece of work and highlights him as one of the biggest up and coming future star horror directors if he's not there already. Um, I love Dr. Sleep. Ian, <laughs> what are you thinking of? <laughs> oh, how do I follow that? Um, the Shining, I'm, I'm absolutely 100% with you on The Shining. The Shining is one of my favourite horror movies of all time. It's actually a horror movie that I've, I've never reviewed yet on a, oh, on a podcast. Um, I, don't know, I don't know why, it just sort of kept, it's one of those ones. Anyways, um, and Doctor Sleep is, is, uh, is not that for me. Um, when we reviewed it, I hadn't read the book. And uh, I still haven't <laughs> still haven't read the book, so I, I don't have that comparison to make. But um, I just feel I feel it's an, it's just such a long slog of a movie. And I know what you're saying; like The Shining itself is not, you know, um, no picnic to sort of sit through. It's a, it's a, it can be a tough watch, but it's a great tough watch, you know. And I feel I feel like the payoff for a lot of the stuff you have to sit through in Doctor Sleep is just not worth what you get. It feels very much like 
to me anyway, Mike Flanagan's kind of just paying lip service to what Stephen King originally wanted um, in terms of, you know, how The Shining ended. And obviously, you know, it's, it's very well known about Stephen King not being a fan of that and his fallings out with Stanley Kubrick and, you know, Danny horror fan, I think that's pretty, pretty common knowledge. Um, and it, it, it feels like two movies mashed into one. You've got this first storyline where, you know, they're trying to escape from the true knot and they're trying to sort of figure out, um, you know, the powers that they have and the, and the shine. And then you've got the shining part at the end where you're back in the Overlook hotel. And it feels like two completely different things. When I first watched it, I watched the, just the, the plain old theatrical release and thought it was a long slog then. And then when we reviewed it, uh, Nico made me watch the extended release, which he claims dragged it out in a good way. And I still don't understand that sentence um, because for me, it was just another half an hour that I did not need in my life to give up in my life. Because the director's cut was that three hours, 10 I think it's around there, yeah. Yeah, because I, I watched that for this episode. I've mm-hmm. watched, in the build-up to this, I've watched the theatrical cut and the director's cut, and also a very long documentary that was about three hours long about the making of Doctor Sleep as well. I don't think I could put myself through that, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we're, we're blatantly going to disagree. Um, let's see what the, the listeners on this. So the listeners scored this as 7 out of 10. Uh, for the movie and then for how scary it is they scored it a five out of ten this movie is very very polarizing and in the scores i normally give you just the the overall score on this the scores were so far apart you had people scoring it a one and people scoring it a ten and then threes and eights no one scored it in that middle bracket there is no middle ground on dr sleep you either think it's good or you don't I think it's good, and Ian doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we dive into Doctor Sleep and exactly kind of what goes on, I'll give you a bit of a rundown. Um, I'm going to do my recommended account of the week. My recommended account of the week this week is Voices from the Mausoleum, who's a YouTuber, a podcaster, a horror movie fanatic, uh, a lovely lady called Angel. Um, this is a page that is for anyone who loves horror um does lots of countdowns and stuff on um, youtube and most influential films and has guests on and it's a really really good show to to watch and to, to get involved in um, you can find her everywhere but the easiest way to do it is go to voicesftm.com and that's her website and that's for voices of the mausoleum okay let's um let's dive into dr sleep shall we <laughs> let's see where, let's see where our differences lie <laughs> hmm. there may be a few <laughs> uh, so the movie begins in florida in 1980 uh, we get a young girl who's been pretty much neglected by her parents and is allowed to go wandering off onto a campsite to pick flowers um, and she stumbles across a lady called rose the hat we search everywhere none can compare with my wild irish well, hi there. Do you want one? Um, Rose performs some close, up-close magic for her, which is, is wonderful. Um, and the girl gets closer and, and begins to trust her. And then you get the rest of Rose's 
group who are the true knot who appear in the trees and then they disappear when she looks back at Rose and then she looks back and they get a bit closer and the opening scene ends with them all swamping this little girl. Um, I love that as an opening scene. As an opening scene to a movie, I went, that's not nice. Yeah, yeah, like... So this is the thing. I, I, obviously, I've said I don't like this. There are still aspects of this movie that I do like. And one of the ones that is, and I'm sure we'll talk about the other one a bit later, is how they play on children. Because it's something that's often not really sort of broached in horror movies. You know, children usually get away. They know they, they don't get a But this movie really brutal, especially in a later scene with regards to that. And I think it is good a good opening scene. First of all, I think Rebecca Ferguson as well is is she's really fantastic in this film. I think she's she is great. Um, and as you said earlier, and it's one of the big sort of plus points that I had for the film was the casting as well. So at least we can agree on that, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think this opening scene it really does sort of show you that it's not gonna or it's not intending to sort of pull any punches with regards to, you know, how how far they're willing to go by attacking a child. Yeah, if anyone walks into the cinema, sat down, thought they were getting a thriller, it was very soon put to bed that they weren't. It was very soon put to bed that we're going in for this, so buckle up. From here, we we catch up with Danny, um, who's still being tormented by the ghost of the Overlook Hotel. Uh, He's living with his mother, Wendy, uh, and we find out Danny isn't speaking and hasn't spoken since the event's at the at the overlook um we get a scene of danny speaking with um dick halloran um and he's explaining that he doesn't want to shine because he doesn't want the ghost to to find him anymore and halloran teaches danny a trick it's just how to trap the spirit in a box in his head so danny takes this on board and danny's mum comes running out of the house and sees him and this is where you realize that that dick halloran is a is a ghost um, if you read the books, Dick Halloran survives The Shining and he's not a ghost in this. He would be a real person and, and actually helps the family. Um, but in this, he's not. He's, he's a ghost. Um, so later that night, Danny goes into the toilet and uses his new trick to trap bathtub naked lady ghost, who's the creepiest. She's creeped <laughs> the shit out of me in The Shining. And when I saw her back in this, I was like, oh, fuck, really? <laughs> <laughs> he goes in and there's a lovely scene where he he walks down and he kind of politely turns around and closes the door and then you get <laughs> this disembodied scream of this ghost as he traps her in the box uh, um, what did you think of the young of the casting of young danny compared to obviously the, the original um do you think it, did he look right to you no is <laughs> <laughs> the short answer no there was just I don't think they did particularly badly but there was just something that's not quite right and I thought I felt that around all of the sort of casting of the characters that we got with the exception of Dick Halloran I actually thought they got the casting of Dick Halloran really really well done considering you know obviously we had Scatman Crothers and in, in yeah. The Shining and I thought they did a really good job there but in terms of young Danny and I think the same for for Wendy and of and for uh, Jack later on as well I, they, I, I don't think they got it quite right um some of them slightly better than others Danny's probably not the worst of the offenders but just felt a little not right to me yeah and, and Danny Danny I thought was was fairly good um Jack and Wendy, not so much, but we'll get to that because I think 
I think they get away with it, and I'm going to explain how they get away with it. <laughs> uh, so from here, we jump to 2011, and we meet grown-up, pissed-up, coked-up, bar-fighting Danny, who is now a, a fully-grown man on a night out in a bar brawl. He, he's, wake, he's woken up in a girl's bed, and he's trying to piece together the events of the night before. In the process of robbing her, realising she's nicked all his money, um, you get a, a toddler walks in, which is just horrific. Uh, if anyone's ever had a one night stand and had a toddler walk in, that must be the worst thing in the world. <laughs> it's just a, a Friday night in Scotland, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he puts her back with the mum uh, and he goes to, he effectively goes to leave. And this is where we get um, Dick Halloran again, um, who I can only describe as the black Jiminy Cricket. <laughs> uh, who basically tells him, you can't take this woman's money. You can see she's lying there. She's with her baby. And Danny kind of goes, yeah, that's nice, but takes the money anyway. Yeah. Um, we now find ourselves in a cinema uh, with a young girl called Andy. He's meeting, oh, I'm going to call him what he is. She, she's meeting a pedo who, yeah. want, who wants to touch her up. Um, she's being watched by Rose the Hat. And the character who we later find out is called Daddy Crow, which is such a cool name. <laughs> he's referred to a lot in the book he's referred to as daddy more than he is crow and he uses uh, her her powers uh, her shine uh, and she makes the older man fall asleep uh, she then robs him and makes two little nicks in his face uh, to represent a snake bite um, outside rose the hat and danny and uh, not Danny, Rose the Hat and um, Daddy, Daddy Crow, uh, take her. Well, hi there. You want to let me go? Oh, no, sweetie. Uh, we get a very brief scene of, of Danny Torrance uh, sleeping and drinking, well, drinking under a bridge and sleeping rough. Uh, and we jump to Abra's fifth birthday party. I love this scene so much because I've got kids around that age. And you've got the magician going, oh, look what I can do with the spoons. And the little kid's going, I can do that. The, <laughs> the magician's like, yeah, whatever, kid. I don't get paid enough to listen to you. And he's, you know, when a little kid's trying to talk to an adult and an adult really doesn't give a shit. <laughs> he's like, yeah, whatever. It, without basically saying, fuck off, kid. He's, he's kind of there. He's just there for his paycheck. That's all he wants. He just wants to go in, do his work and go away. Exactly that. He's, he's, he does not give a shit about entertaining them. Um, but then when they, the mum and the dad comes back in from the garden and the mum's staring at the ceiling, he's like, what's up? And all of the spoons are on the ceiling mm-hmm. and they drop and hit the floor. And Abra turns around and goes, abracadabra. <laughs> Uh, that scene is amazing i absolutely <laughs> lo- i cracked up when i saw that yeah no it's it is it's, it's really effective i just want to sort of um go back just just sort of briefly as well because you obviously mentioned about the scene that was taking place in the cinema yeah um and i feel like they're, they're really trying to hammer home the fact like we, i mentioned it already about you know no punches being pulled in this film not only have we had you know children being attacked but now we've got a pedophile in the yeah. movie and it's just like what, what what the hell is going on here like there's so so much happening Stephen so, King covers a lot of that kind of stuff in his books all of his books are very much based around 
children facing adversity and demons. And if you look at 90% of his movie adaptations, all of the directors and screenwriters shy away from it. Mm-hmm. They all duck and dive. Some of the stuff in his books are horrific. Yeah, and obviously, you know, when you're making movies, you've got, you know, things like ratings to think about and how your movie's going to get, you know, in terms of if it's going to be, you know, an 18 or R-rated or whatever, you know, you've got all those sorts of factors to, th- to sort of involve in. But, you know, creatively, I think in terms of this movie, it was it was a good choice to, to not omit some of that stuff. I think it would have been really easy for Mike Flanagan to, to come up with some sort of other way to try and to get some of this stuff across but no no he he was quite happy you know let's let's attack the chick let's attack the kids let's you know have a pedophile in there obviously very very briefly as well you know the crazy thing though the pedophile is actually an addition by mike flanagan because in Mm -hmm. the book the character of um andy is 35 Oh, right. Actually, I, I didn't know that. So that's that's that is interesting. Then. Yeah, that, that, that was an addition of Mike Flanagan. So that's actually not from Stephen King, because in uh-huh. the book, the characters are a lot older. All of the characters are a lot older. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know how they're all quite stylish and quite kind of trendy. Yeah, there's a there's a touch of uh, hipster about <laughs> a touch yeah. of hipster about some of them. Um, so in the book, they are um, picture middle America middle-aged couples in t-shirts that say i love the usa touring in camper vans they sound like a delight (laughs) (laughs) that's how they were done in the book because stephen king said is there anything scarier than a group of a a big group of old couples traveling around attacking children he's got a point in fairness he's He's, he's, he's definitely got a point um (laughs) the other thing i wanted to bring up as well is the scene where we've got um Danny and like you were saying waking up from his from his one night stand I took it and I'm not I'm not sure like how you feel about I took it that the the mother actually died yeah so yeah yeah yeah, so that's right um I got I confused myself there for a moment and um for me obviously we need to have this sort of redemption arc for Danny that's that's part of the, the movie you know we've seen him he's hit rock bottom and we want to see him redeem himself as the movie goes on the fact though for me that he's seen that he the mother is dead he's found the toddler and he just leaves them i think that pushes over a line where can he really be redeemed? Am I going to root for this character's redemption? Because that's a heinous thing that he's doing. He's leaving a toddler who cannot look after itself. I mean, the, what are we talking here? Two, maybe three years old, max. Yeah. And for me, that pushes his character over a line where I don't really care whether you get any redemption or not. Yeah, and again, I don't want to keep harping to the book, but I'm, I'm kind of going to have to. That, again, isn't what happened in the book. So in the mm. book, she, there was cocaine there, um, but Danny noticed bruises on the baby. Um, okay. When Danny leaves, they were both okay, and they actually got killed by an abusive uncle, come around and killed okay. them both. So, again, it was slightly different, but I think, I think Flanagan tried to streamline a lot of things because there's so much, especially adapting a Stephen King book, we see mm. it in It and The Shining and pretty much everything. Yeah. To, adapt, to adapt something he does and get everything in it would be like a seven hour movie oh yeah like you absolutely have to you know and we and yes that's that's just Stephen King you know there's so much in his in his stories that there's there's just no way you could have everything 
No, and uh, his his mind genuinely scares me. He's got some fucked up thoughts. Especially in, in the cocaine years. <laughs> uh, yeah, which uh, Doctor Sleep was written very deep into the cocaine years. <laughs> Danny arrives in, you see Danny arriving in Fraser, New Hampshire, on a bus. Um, it doesn't explain why he's done this, but he's, he's gone to start a, a new life. Um, and he meets Billy. Um, and Billy is... The kindest, nicest man in the entire world meets a stranger, can see he's a little bit hard up and kind of adopts him like a puppy and takes him home and finds him somewhere to live and just kind of gets him set up. And I thought that was lovely. I don't it was. People like that aren't real, but I thought it was lovely. <laughs> <laughs> they absolutely at least not where i come from they're not, um, no way like if someone steps off the bus like that you cross the road and just keep on walking you know um yeah this guy is just the caricature of niceness isn't he he is definitely and i, I like i like him i think billy's great um but we now jump back to rose and her crew uh, the the true knot and they're inducting andy into the group they pin her down and feed her some steam after giving her they gave her an option. You can either stay with us, eat well and live long or, and they didn't answer the or. I think the or was, or we can kill you. So it yeah, kind of I, wasn't a choice. Yeah, I think it was a case of, or we kill you and we we consume your steam. Yeah, um, so they feed her the steam and she becomes a, a member of the, the true knot. Wow. Well, hi there. Said it didn't hurt. Back with Danny. Um, we now this is when we now find out for definite that the girl he left is dead. Because he wakes up in bed and he rolls over, and as he rolls over, the ghost grabs his arm and he shits his pants and jumps out of bed, um, goes to get a drink, and instead makes the decision to go and see Billy, his his new best friend, um, who does what what a best friend should have done in that situation. He took him to AA. Uh, and this is where Danny meets uh, a doctor um, who's constantly rubbing his wrist. Um, Danny then miraculously, because of the power of his shine, goes, uh, you left your watch on top of something in a bathroom somewhere. Um, so amazed by this, the, the guy gives him a job uh, as an orderly at a, um, what is it? It's like a end of life care. Yeah, I think it's like a palliative care home, isn't it? Yeah. He asks him the question, are you okay with death? Which, if you've seen The Shining, Danny's completely cool with death. I, I didn't know there was any death in The Shining. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, are you okay with death? Yeah, yeah, I've, I've kind of got that covered. I, yeah, how are you with elevators full of blood? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah as long as there's not any creepy twins, I'll be absolutely <laughs> Or old ladies. Or old ladies, naked. <laughs> um, so during the night, uh, Danny notices the cat, Azzy. Uh, jumps onto a man's bed. Um, the cat, as he's actually named after Azrael, who's the angel of death, which I thought was cool. It jumps on the bed and the man whose bed it jumps on is quite distressed, saying, that I'm, I'm going to die now. Leave the cat where it is. The cat's come to tell me. And Danny uses his shine, his telepathic ability to, to calm the man and help him cross over. Um, and this is where the man refers to him as Dr. Sleep which is where the, the name comes from. Um, in the book, they do a lot of these deaths. There's probably 10 or 15 of these characters that Danny helps cross over and they make a bigger thing of he becomes known by all of the patients as Dr. Sleep. So when the cat comes and visits you, Danny's coming too. 
I loved. I mean, that 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 is sort of the start of his redemption. I don't want. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. You're right. It is the start of his redemption. And, you know, I, they, they made the right choice to not have us do this 15 times. Um, you know, and I think they, they managed to get that across in, in a really good way. I really like, I think it's here. I don't know if I'm mixing this up with a later scene where we almost get a, a recreation of the opening scene of The Shining where Jack Torrance is going for his interview. That's the the interview with the guy who hires him. It's almost a replica of the yeah. It's a replica of that opening scene. I thought that was that was a really nice callback. One that you know is is there and it's quite blatant if you know what you're looking for. And you know that that I like that. Um, and yeah, I like the fact that we've got you know him coming into this sort of care home and. I just want to know where this town is with all these nice people that give you jobs for telling you to where you found your watch and all yeah. these sorts of places. I, I kind of want to visit this place. It, it does seem like a really nice place, and it, it is completely fiction. It's got <laughs> fiction. <laughs> um, when Danny gets home, he finds uh, in his apartment that, that Billy got him in his room, uh, he's got a big blackboard on, on the wall, uh, which was from an artist who, who lived there before. Uh, and when he gets home, on the wall is written, hello. Um, so he writes back, hi. That, that's, that's all he does. And we, we, we now find out eight years later that Danny is still sober and he's still communicating via messages through the chalkboard. Um, and we, we assume, as the viewer, that it's Abra. And it, it is Abra that he's mm-hmm. communicating with. From here, after he's, we've had the messages back and forth, we're slipping now into... The true knot are struggling to find food. And this leads to possibly one of the most horrific scenes in cinema. Yeah. This scene is awful in every possible way. Um, Rose the Hat tracks down uh, a boy who shines, who's playing baseball. Um, And they kidnap him. They pin him down. They torture him. Um, to consume his his steam and why he's begging for his life rose encourages him to be scared because it only mm-hmm. makes the steam stronger which is a theme of stephen king as well you know you get that in it where you know pennywise scares the kids because it makes it makes the meat taste sweeter or something it's something yeah. he says something along those lines so it's very much a theme in the sort of stephen king universe that scaring them you know makes it better for our villains yeah, and I, I kind of, with Pennywise, I, I don't mind it as much because it's one person. This is a group of, what, eight people who pin down this small boy and cut him with a... It, it's fucking awful to watch. It is, and the, that child actor did a fantastic job, I must admit, you know, that that I, I, I think he did it in, like, didn't he do... I'm sure I read somewhere he did it in, like, one take and the first time, and they just... He absolutely, like, knocked it out of the park. And even, you know, like, Rebecca Ferguson and the rest of the sort of people playing the True Knot were just a bit like, okay, and it, I think it said, like, his dad was at catering, and he just went over, high-fived his dad, and that was him done for the day. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think I'd have had the same reaction as him if Re- Rebecca Ferguson had pinned me down. I, I don't think I... No, I'd... I think... Um, <laughs> yeah, I d- is this a, is this a, a show? I hope there's no kids listening. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's definitely not. Excellent. <laughs> um, while this horrific, brutal murder is happening, Abra accidentally 
kind of astral planes into seeing through Rose's eyes what is happening um, and also why this is happening. Danny feels it as well. There's a, a big thud in Danny's room as Abra wakes um, and Danny sits up, looks in the mirror and he sees broken into his chalkboard the words red rum. And obviously when he turns around, it's, it's murder. Yeah, baseball boy dying and the true not taking him is just just awful. It is such a good scene, but it's horrific to watch. It's it's horrific for all characters involved as well. You know, can you imagine if you're Abra as well? What's Abra at this point? 13? Yeah. And so as a 13-year-old sort of viewing that, that's that's horrifying. You know, that's so terrifying. And then even from Danny's perspective as a fully grown man watching this group of people, and let's let's remember, you know, Danny's on his own at this point. He doesn't really have you know, he's not really got the, a support. He's obviously been talking to Abra, but they haven't sort of communicated any further than just a little bit through the blackboard. And, you know, the rest of the people in his town don't really know the extent of his power as well. So for him being on his own, even that itself is is kind of terrifying as well. Genuinely, is it anyone who's not seen this, be pre-warned, this scene is hard to, to stomach. It, it's not a scene. If you're, if you're faint of heart or you would not like to see a child being hurt, this scene is definitely not for you. I'd go as far as to say this movie's not for you. This leads Abra into doing some research into Baseball Boy. Um, in the process of her research, she has her first psychic battle with Rose. Um, so Rose, she kind of astral planes into Rose while Rose is at Tesco's. Yeah, she's just doing like her weekly shop. <laughs> <laughs> and Abra is then in Rose. Uh, Rose walks up to the, I think it's the milk fridge, and she can see Abra in the reflection. Well, hi there. And Abra then realises what's going on as Rose tries to get in her head. Um, screams get out and sends Rose 30 foot across the, the supermarket while destroying the, the fridge in the process. I know some some poor workers got to clean that up, you know. <laughs> and not only that, if you were doing your shopping, I'd just be like, do you know what? I'm going to go get my milk somewhere else. <laughs> you know, what? I'm just going to do this online. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, you see, there's a there's a woman who walks like to the side and looks at Rose, but doesn't look that alarmed. It's almost like she's about to shout, "Clean up on aisle four. <laughs> I would freak out if I saw someone sent like 30 foot down an aisle and glass explode everywhere. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's not something you see every day. Well, maybe it is. I'm not in Tesco's all the time, but maybe it does happen. (laughs) (laughs) So Abra says she's going to school. Um, She doesn't go to school. She goes and tracks down Danny um, to discuss Baseball Boy and that she needs Danny's help to, to solve it. I liked this a lot because Danny done what any proper bloke would do there's a 13 year old girl who's decided to accost you in a park he's like we cannot be seen talking to each other this is not right and i like the fact they addressed that they didn't just leave it in the grand scheme of things doesn't make a huge amount of difference to the film but it is a nice little thing because so often in films you you know you see sort of adults and kids sort of teaming up and that that's just sort of understood that everyone will understand and that's okay and we yeah. all know in the real world that that's not okay. Yeah, that's 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 not cool. You you can't you can't be doing that at <laughs> all. Um, uh, and he makes a thing of that, and she goes, "It's okay because I'll just say you're my uncle Danny, 
and we can talk in our head. So we're basically, we're never going to get our story wrong. We'll, we'll be fine. In the book, Danny is actually related to Abra. Yeah, I, I knew that. I knew that they were they were somehow related in the, in the book. Yeah, so in the book, um, Abra's grandmother plays a, a very big part, but Abra's grandmother had an affair with Danny's dad. Yes, yes, so, that's right. So Danny's kind of her uncle. I'm not quite sure exactly how they're related, but in the book, that is a proper relation, um, mm-hmm. um, which is why Flanagan decided to include the the uncle Danny. He didn't want to do that whole story but he thought it was good to include the uncle danny bit yeah i don't think we needed any more story (laughs) (laughs) they could have added at least at least 20 minutes for just this bit oh no don't don't put me through that (laughs) Um, but, but danny basically tells her to drop it leave it don't go looking for these people you do not want these people to find you leave it the fuck alone Again, I thought that was the responsible thing of Danny to do. He's gone, don't come meet me. Don't go find these people. Just basically fucking go home and live your life. It's good advice. Yeah, it is good advice. Um, it's the advice that I would be giving, you know, because I don't want to get mixed up in all that. Um, no, it is it's good advice. And it, it sort of continues on this sort of whole character development that we've got of Danny where, you know, he's just he just wants to settle down at this point and he just wants to sort of live an easy life you know he doesn't want to have all this hassle he does he doesn't really want his powers and it's um yeah i think it's a sort of good development of him and just giving us this sort of snapshot of how he's got this sort of happy little idyllic life now where he's got a job he's got friends he's living in this sort of really nice place that doesn't actually exist and he's he's getting comfortable yeah and he just doesn't want any any shit um but it's a teenage girl and she doesn't listen at all. Um, but Danny now gets a, his first visit from Halloran that he's that he's had in eight years, um, who turns up and says, look, you need to help this little girl the same way I helped you. You need to teach her what I taught you because it's it's essential. You do that. And you can see in that scene, Ewan McGregor does it really well. He doesn't say anything, but he kind of there's almost a point where he kind of rolls his eyes and goes, fuck's sake what i would do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah he's like i've dealt with it it's fine and haller is like no you, you need to you need to help her out this leads to one of my favorite scenes in the whole film rose the hat versus abra in abra's mind i thought was fantastic uh rose goes astral plane in into abra's mind and in abra's room in her mind there is filing cabinets uh, which is a way of of her filing her memories um, they do that a lot in Stephen King books. They do it a lot in The Dark Tower and, and lots of others. Um, and Rose goes fumbling through. You spend your whole lives making little boxes, little memories. Oh, you think they make you so rich. You should see mine, kiddo. Oh, my mind's a cathedral. And then Abra appears and with her mind slams Rose's hand in the door, in the drawer, then proceeds to blow her out the window, sending her thousands of miles across country where she hits her body in the real world, falls off the top of a camper van, and her hand is still completely fucked. 
Yeah, it's it's um, she's degloved her hand, which is something that Mike Flanagan quite likes to do because he did it in um, Gerald's Gerald's game as well. Yeah. There's that scene where she's trying to get out of the handcuffs, and um, yeah, that's not one for the faint-hearted. <laughs> no, and I, I like the fact that in this, if you get fucked up in the the astral plane in world, you, you get fucked up in the real. It's like the Matrix for horror. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it, and that I love that scene. It's it's a really good scene because Rose realizes, shit me, this girl is super powerful. But also at the same time, you've got Abra going, wow, I'm really powerful. And that realization is great because yeah, you've got those those sort of two sides of the coin and what that means for you know our protagonists and our antagonists and you know yeah, it's a good sort of snapshot of both sides. Literally, the second Rose hits the ground, she's jump straight into a, a problem in our own community uh grandpa flick who's kind of the he's not the head of the true knot i would say that's rose but he's one of the older members um, yeah he's, he's he's an elder isn't he yeah um they, they say he's cycling which basically means he's he's dying i didn't expect the scene we got where they kind of watch him pass and then they basically suck all of his his steam and then they kind of go into this weird orgy thing when they're <laughs> they're like sucking his steam and he's died, and then they're all kissing and they're touching. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? It, re- it reminded me of of the shunt in society, <laughs> 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 which if you've not, if anyone's listening and have, hasn't seen that, that's 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 quite the scene. <laughs> <laughs> and and that has now made me. That is going in a poll very early on. <laughs> season i've i completely forgot but yeah you're 100 percent right. um but this scene no it, it's 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 an odd one for me because as as grandpa flex sort of dying they, they do this effect where they sort of the, the body sort of flashes and you see sort of the skeleton of the character and i, I, I don't know what it is i find that really cheesy i feel like if it feels out of place to the rest of the movie as fantastical as as you know the shining and you know i you you know it's it's sort of supernatural elements of the movie i feel like the shine um not the shining dr sleep does at times kind of try to keep quite grounded at times and that sort of takes me out of it we've got this death scene of a character here who means a lot to the true not you know and it just felt a little out of place for me. Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll take that on board. I disagree, <laughs> but I'll take it. On board. <laughs> um, we now get Abra contacting Danny again, and basically she she now convinces him. Obviously, he's already had a bollocking from Halloran. Uh, Jiminy Black, Jiminy Crickets told him off again, um, uh, and he decides to to go and find the body um, of Baseball Boy. And this is where Billy again, super friend. He goes and knocks on Billy's door and goes, don't ask me any questions, but can you come with me, drive across state and dig up a body? And Billy's like, yeah, no worries. Who does that? Oh, we, we could all use a friend like that, right? <laughs> <laughs> no questions asked. Like, yeah, that's fine. Even if my closest friend rung me and said, can you come with me and dig up a body? I'd be like, no, I can ring the police to go to the body. But first question, how do you know where the body is? Yeah, I think, I think I'm... I'm going to agree with you on this one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They find the body and then they head back to to Abra's house. 
Um, and Abra's dad does what every dad should do. He comes out swinging for the fences. Oh, you're fucking Uncle Danny, are you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Danny's like, uh, I told you to show him. She's like, I told him. He's like, it's not the same thing. Um, and with that, Abra jumps into her dad's head and gives him the uh, the video full playback of what happened to that little boy, which then, yeah, the dad does exactly what I would do. Pours himself a very fucking strong drink. and Yeah, <laughs> I think uh, I would need one of those as well. Um yeah, I, the, the dad's perfectly fine reaction for me. You know, your yeah. 13-year-old daughter takes home a, what, what is he, mid-40s-year-old yeah. man. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd come out swinging too. Yeah, I, I, I think that's the correct response. He's a good parent. Yeah. <laughs> There's lots of movies out there where they'd, he'd have gone, oh, your Uncle Danny, I'll come in. We'll... But no, unless he comes out and goes, yeah, yeah, come in. Do you want a drink? You know, it's fine. <laughs> They come up with a plan at this point. So they come up with a plan to trick the true knot. They take Abra Astral Astral projects herself into the back of the car and Billy and Danny go driving off. And the idea is to lure the true knot in, um, which they do successfully. And then they you get this kind of this is the only scene that I actually don't like. You get this kind of at the OK Corral where they're just taking pop shots at the true knot from the trees. It it feels, it, it feels very sort of real for something that is not real. If that makes sort of sense, you know, because these, these, these people all have powers and obviously we've got a variety of powers between, you know, Danny and Abra and, and um, Rose the Hat who have this shine. You've got like, like, you know, we're talking about snake bite Andy who's got this power but it's obviously a very different kind of power and then for all of that to be in this scene together for them to just be shooting at each other it feels really odd yeah i i I didn't so this scene for me it it doesn't it doesn't ring true it's not in the book at all um that this scene and you get so basically they think abra's there abra's not she's she's astral projects herself there um, as she disappears, they all start shooting her. Um, and then they're going, well, where's Crow? Where's Crow? And then you see Crow at Abra's house takes Abra and has killed Ab- Abra's dad. Yeah. And I thought that was great. That that was really good, that bit. But the mm-hmm. rest of that scene was... The, the problem as well is it's it's an absolutely vital scene in the movie because it's also the scene that completely isolates Rose the Hat because, right. you know, she loses prick pretty much her entire gang aside from um crow daddy at that point as well um we we also lose uh billy at that point in that scene you know who has been a pretty big character in 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 danny's life as well so to have such i I did actually quite like the way not necessarily the way that billy died but the sort of vitriol that snake by andy with her dying breath made him kill himself you know I, th- I really like that actually that was probably one of my favorite parts of the film but overall the scene is just so out of place yeah and, and not only that if if it because the true not are affected they're not immortal but they live a, a very very long time if i lived a very very long time but i knew i was that fragile i'd be a lot carefuler yeah yeah, and I'd also find better ways to protect myself than just, you know, a gun. It, fe- it just, it, off, it, feels, it feels like 
you know, they did this scene on the last day and they just needed, like, they needed to shoot something and they just went, yeah, that'll do. Uh, and I'll agree that this scene is a real kind of, the rest of it for me, they put so much time and so much effort, especially when we get into the hotel and all the flashback shots and all the time and money they spent. And then this scene was kind of like, let's have a shootout. It's, it's, it's not, it, it doesn't fit at all. No. No, it doesn't. And and now you've got Crow Daddy has got Abra and he's got her drugged up in the van and he's driving away with her. Danny is able to link his mind to Abra. Um, and he kind of, I wouldn't say he possesses her, but he takes control of her enough that he causes Crow Daddy to crash. Um, and she turns around and goes, you should be wearing your seatbelt. And he goes straight through the windscreen and dies instantly. Mm-hmm. Again, if you're that fragile, put your fucking seatbelt. <laughs> Wear your seatbelt, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that I didn't get. And it, it's one of those things, I mean, if you got the chance to become immortal, or effectively immortal, I would want a better deal than you're immortal, but you can die in car crashes, you die if you get shot. Um, in the book, they, the, they die from diseases as well. They're susceptible mm-hmm. to disease. So what you're saying is I can live a very, very long, careful life if I stay at this. <laughs> Just uh, wrap yourself up in, in cotton wool for the rest of your life. And you can do that for as long as you want. Yeah, and I, 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 that I didn't like. I genuinely didn't like that. So the, the, we, we're finding stuff I don't like. Maybe I'll change my score as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm winning people round. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Danny quickly locates Abra um, and he has uh, a genius plan. He's going to go to the Overlook. And the reason he's going to go back to the Overlook Hotel is because he knows there's things there that like to attack things like him. And he assumes that Rose is like him and Abra. So it will also be dangerous for Rose there as well. We get the scene where Danny arrives and he wakes up the hotel. The level of detail in the hotel is obscene. Obscene levels of detail in parallel to what it was in The Shining. There was so much work. Because this is like a a sort of an overall point again, because obviously, you know, up until this point, what if if at this point we've gone, what, maybe two hours into the movie, something like that? Yeah, yeah. We're a really good chunk of the way through the movie. And... Up until that point, there's really been not a huge amount of reference to, you know, the Overlook Hotel or, you know, obviously at the beginning, we got the flashbacks of what was going on, but it's been its its own entity of a movie. And I think I would have respected the movie a lot more had it just stayed that way rather than then suddenly you're going back to the Overlook and you're getting the greatest hits of The Shining in, in, <laughs> in this sort of final section because it is hitting absolutely everything that is memorable about The Shining in the Overlook Hotel. Or vice versa, I would have just respected it a lot more had it just done the best bits of The Shining throughout the entire movie. You know what? You, you get what I'm trying to say, though, because, yeah. you know, it's you've sat through this movie for, for two hours or so, depending on which version you're watching. And you're like, okay, like this is what I'm getting. And then suddenly it's just this completely different entity as well. I think Flanagan had his hands tied a little bit. Mm -hmm. So in The Shining, the book, 
they blow up. Jack blows up. Yes. The Overlook Hotel at the end. So there yeah, is a yeah. hotel. So in the Doctor Sleep book, the True Knot are camping mm-hmm. at the old site of the Overlook. Um, because the Overlook survived, and this is a sequel to Kubrick's movie, he kind of had to put it in there. Because in the book, they go to a showdown at the True Knot's camp that just happens to be yeah. at the Overlook. Because the Overlook's still there, he had to find a way to make that work. And I, I think he didn't have much choice no. to make that work. And obviously, I feel like, obviously, with Flanagan and King, I think they worked relatively closely together when they were developing this movie. So obviously, you know, he'll have wanted sort of Stephen King's approval of, obviously, the, the Shining movie was not how he wanted it to go. No. Um, but he obviously needed, like you said, this is a sequel to Kubrick's Shining, so he needed to have sort of that in there. And I, and I respect and understand that. I just don't think it makes for a particularly <laughs> well-flowing movie. I think it makes it very disjointed, you know, regardless of whether his hands are tied or not. Like I say, I, I completely respect that aspect of it, um, but it makes the whole thing feel really disjointed to me. And it, it gives me big pacing issues with the movie as well, because you've got so much information and so many sort of flashbacks and callbacks in this final section. It's jam packed with, you know, various parts from the shining. And like you say, the level of detail is incredible. I think the set design in this movie is fantastic. It's another one of the big plus points. I do like some things about it. (laughs) Um, And I think the set design of the overlook here is, is amazing to get that level of detail again. But yeah, like I just don't think it makes for a a well-flowing film. Yeah, I, I can see I can see your point. I mean, I like all the flashbacks I love. I think they've done those so well. Um, I would have liked this part of the movie to be a bigger part of the movie. Mm-hmm. They could have cut bits earlier on and shortened the first half yeah. and lengthened the second. If they'd have lengthened the battle at the Overlook and made that more of a thing, I think I would have liked that more. Yeah, because the actual battle doesn't, is is over relatively quickly because we actually spend quite a lot of time at the Overlook getting sort of, you know, his um, his um, Ewan McGregor scene in the Gold Room and him wakening up the hotel and, and things like that. That actually takes up a relatively significant period of this sort of final third of the movie. And yeah. the actual battle part is over relatively quick. Yes, yeah, so which is where we are now. So Rose quickly, Rose arrives at the hotel fairly quick um, and is faced by... Danny and Abra on the stairs. Well, well, well. Hi there. When this starts, run. And they they basically trap Rose briefly in Danny's mind, um, where you get Abra darting backwards and forwards and cutting her legs, and they try to trap her in a box, um, which fails because Rose loses her shit and goes enough and basically sends them both flying. And then we get we get a, the bit with Danny and the axe where he, he tries to fight Rose and Rose kind of beats him off. <laughs> uh, and then she's like probing his mind and finds all the boxes. And she's like, Oh, what are these? Oh, these look powerful. Oh, oh, what are they? What are you hiding from them? And he's like, not hiding anything. They're just hungry. And he opens them and then Rose is gone. Yeah. That's it. It's over. Right isn't away. It? That they come out, they attack and devour Rose in seconds and then turn their attention to Danny, and we get the line from the twins again, which yeah. is such a lovely callback. 
hi Danny can you play with us forever I was like <laughs> yes it's fucking brilliant that's the, the this is what I'm saying this whole section of the film because it's hey, like it is like almost the dream of everyone who loves The Shining this this is the part that I think people who are massive fans of the shining because let's let's like not forget the shining is also a bit of a polarizing movie there are a lot of there is a big section of the fandom out there who really aren't a fan of of kubrick's the shining but for everyone who is a fan i think this is what people really wanted was these sort of hits and you know at least for me i guess it it ends on a, a really sort of high positive note just i think just to go back again a second what did you think of henry thomas as jack nicholson's character as jack um uh, so th- this is I-, I was going to touch on this in a second so oh sorry <laughs> no, 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 that, that's fine so i said obviously with um with the two characters in the flashbacks where you get uh jack and you get wendy in the flashbacks and they're not quite right their performances are incredible they do incredible i wouldn't even say they're impressions they're kind of their own take on those scenes and I think we get away with that because it's Danny's memory. Mm-hmm. It's his memory of something that happened 40 years ago. When so, he was a small child. Yeah. So those characters are going to look different. You won't remember them exactly how they were. You won't remember everything exactly how it was. And I think, I think they made the right choice to recast them as opposed to CGI them. Yeah, because that seems to be sort of the debate that goes on, isn't it? Between, you know, when people are discussing the film, they could have, because obviously Jack Nicholson's long retired now from yeah. from, from acting and, and they, they could have sort of reconfigured and CGI'd, CGI'd him up. And I think that probably would have just looked a little bit off as well. Um, although having said that, having watched Halloween uh, K- Halloween Kills this year, I don't know if you've seen it, but the yeah. the, 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 the the CGI Donald Pleasance they did was incredible. It, it wasn't CGI, uh, but they, they did do parts of it. Yeah, but it, it was, was it was like a thirteen. Yeah, like the, the the way they made him up was absolutely incredible. Like yeah. I could not tell the difference. So it wasn't. Be- it's not beyond the realms of possibility to if they wanted to get someone look exactly the way they wanted to, they could have absolutely done that. And this movie would have had the budget to do that as well. Yeah, it had. Um, but I, I actually agree with your point that you know them being slightly off makes sense yeah like you're saying like you've said there you know this is a memory of something that happened 40 years ago when when danny was a small child like you say he's not going to remember things exactly 100 percent correctly so uh, that to me that makes sense and is a pretty good explanation and i agree with you as well i think henry thomas did a, a, a decent job in terms of the sort of pattern of his speech and his mannerisms because like again it's not a huge scene it's not like loads and loads of stuff to sort of interpret but i think he did all right yeah, and I think, I think being any actor or actress and coming in and trying to mimic scenes from arguably the greatest horror movie ever made by it, Jack Nicholson as well. Yeah, that <laughs> that's fairly daunting. I know that they did get him to shave his head and made him wear a wig. Yeah, which yeah, uh, I think if you're in a Flanagan film and he says shave your head, you go yeah. Yeah, you just do it, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Um, which leads down to you get um, you get Danny chasing Abra through the hotel because he's now got the spirits in him. This scene is so well done for me. This kind of almost identical to how Jack Nicholson chased Danny through the hotel 
in the first, but now with grown-up Danny chasing Abra, the, even the, the limp and the way he's carrying I thought was fantastic. Such a good nod and a callback and even shouting the same things I thought was fantastic. Yeah, it is. And it, it, it's, again, like I was saying, it's part of this whole sort of package of scenes that we get in this last hour where you're getting those callbacks, you're getting those references. And to me, that's what makes this part the best the best section of the movie yeah. um, by by a, quite a long way, to be honest. I, I, I like this movie. I'm not going to make any bones about it. I really, I really <laughs> like it. Um, and I love the ending. So, so the ending of this movie, we get what is effectively the end of The Shining book. So Danny gets through to, oh, sorry, Abra gets through to Danny long enough for him to realise what he's doing and let Abra get away but he's already set the boilers to explode and the Overlook Hotel explodes and burns to the ground, which is exactly what happens in The Shining. So I think they gave closure to something that Kubrick refused to do. Stephen, I know Stephen King asked him to make sure that the one thing he wanted was the hotel to go. Yeah, and I think... I think for Mike Flanagan, if that's like the... the, the if, if Stephen King's coming to you and he's like, right... You know, you're you're going to be making Doctor Sleep. There's this this one thing is just make sure that the Overlook doesn't make it through the the film. Then I think as a director, you can you can definitely work with that. You know, he's not asking him to do do the impossible. Um, there it would I think it would be interesting to see if had Stephen King maybe not been as involved, if Mike Flanagan would have still done that as well, or would he have done the sort of Kubrick thing and just sort of carried it on? I think that would have been interesting to know. Yeah, I know when when they were doing all the marketing for this and when they first went for cinema release, Doctor Sleep 2 was already in pre-production. <laughs> um, it's not now, but it was in pre-production. There is a God. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it will happen, but not yet. Yeah. Um, it will definitely happen because they, they did make money. Um, it wasn't the box office success they wanted it to be, but nor was The Shining. The Shining was shit at the box office. Yeah, like that's, but that's the thing as well. You know, maybe I, I'm going to be proved wrong in over the years because how many times have we seen that where something flops or makes very little money at the box office, but turns out to be some of the pop, most popular horror movies of all time? Yeah, yeah, and and it does. And th- this could be one of those. It's one of those that is so polarizing that over time will people come around to it or over time will people go the other way and it will become the hated sequel yeah because i think for me like the number one example of that is is the thing isn't it right by john carpenter which is a movie when it came out was absolutely bombed you know because it was going up against et and you know it, it just didn't make any money and like i say now it was probably again up with things like you know halloween and, and alien and the shining and all these other sorts of movies is up there with sort of greats isn't it so you know it's not beyond the realms of possibility that maybe in sort of 10 15 years time that doctor sleep's not going to be remembered maybe slightly more fondly than than it currently is even though it's obviously still got a very large sort of group of the fans who who do really like this movie yeah that me i'm guilty (laughs) (laughs) maybe in 10 years time when i'm just a little bit older and wiser you know i I might come around to it the movie ends with a, a a lovely scene it's a really nice kind of kind of sweet way to start the film they started it in such a nasty way i i thought ending it with abra's talking to danny in her room 
uh, mum comes in and goes, who are you talking to? And Alfred goes to, or she says, no one. And then she goes, actually, no, that was a lie. I'm talking to talking to Danny. Um, I also talked to dad and, and they're both okay. And the mum's like, oh, that, that, that's lovely. Thank you. Well, I'm going to go watch a film. Do you want to come watch one with me? And Abra goes, I'll be down in a minute. And with that, you see her walk towards the bathroom and we get naked, old, evil, overlook bitch again. Um, <laughs> and Abra closes the door and you know full well she closed the door to catch her in a box again. Yeah, it, it is a nice scene because like how many times, you know, the classic sort of horror trope story is everything starts off as being nice and airy and then, you know, it sort of descends into to evil and madness and, you know, getting nasty endings and horrible endings and things like that. And then, so we've got this sort of reversal here where things actually start off in the, the, the opposite way around and to get this sort of really nice, sweet ending. And it does give that sort of closure, I guess, from, from as you were saying, from, from The Shining as well. So we've had The Shining the Kubrick version and we've now went sat through this um very long movie and it is uh it is a nice little piece of closure and it, it's also I think it does have that important message of you know for people to not be afraid to be themselves you know because she initially as you said she lies and says no I wasn't talking to anyone but then sort of thinks no like this is this is part of who I am and that is an important message as well so it is it is a, a sweet ending. Yeah, it is. And I think I think we should find out what the listeners think about it in this week's three word reviews. <laughs> Here we go. I asked you for him. I think it's time we hear him. It's this week's three word reviews from the listeners. So some of these three word reviews you're going to really like. Some of these three word reviews you're going to completely disagree with. <laughs> uh, so we've got Surprisingly Well Done by Brain Scanned. Uh, we've got Cinema Walkout by VHS Artwork. Uh, we've got Not That Good by Skellington Fan. Uh, Disturbingly Good Horror by uh, Zally Rock Stars. And finally, Rose the Hat by Devil Reject 617. <laughs> Um, a little bit about the, the three word reviewers. We've got Brain Scanned is a horror account. Uh, so is Devil Rejects uh, 617. Uh, Zally Rocks Arts is a horror art account. Uh, we've got Skellington Fan, who's Skelly, who's been on the, the show, come on, done Evil Dead, who's, well, her account explains itself, Skellington Fan. Um, and then we've got, finally, we've got VHS Artwork, who's a, does artwork for VHS covers. And again, all, all brilliant. Um, thank you very much to everyone who gave a, a three-word review. Um, as it's Dr. Sleep, I'm going to give a three-word review. Um, and then Ian can give his a completely disagree. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my three-word review is equal to Shining. <laughs> Um, oh, I actually hadn't really put much thought into my three-word review. I'm not going to lie. Um, the Shining's better. Yeah, it is. It is it, uh, marginally for me. Significantly for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, let, let's go through some facts because th there's a lot of facts on this, and I, I've narrowed them down, and I've got a listener's facts in here as well. Um, but 
Mike Flanagan, when I know I said he put so much detail into the flashbacks, um, he actually basically went to Stanley Kubrick's estate and got the blueprints for the original sets and then painstakingly recreated them, which I thought was super cool and a huge level of dedication to do that. Yeah, I think it does as well, because it also shows respect to what Kubrick did. You know, I think with Stephen King being on board for this, it would have been kind of easy for them to just be like, we'll just do our own thing, you know. And But to go to that level of detail, to actually go to the Kubrick estate, I think does show a little bit of respect as well. Yeah, I, I think it does. Um, one thing that surprised me is uh, neither Ewan McGregor or Rebecca Ferguson like horror movies. They hate them. <laughs> They're not horror fans. <laughs> Um, they'd done this for, for two reasons. They'd both read the Stephen King novel um, and because Stephen King asked them. It was apparently nothing to do with Mike Flanagan. It was to, Mike Flanagan said who he wanted and Stephen King was the one who made the call with Flanagan. What I always find interesting is there's obviously like we're, we're big horror fans and Stephen King is, is probably one of the most influential people ever. Yeah. in the world of horror. But I, I, I'm always fascinated by how Stephen King is viewed from non-horror fans, because I feel like we all get it as horror fans is, is that the genre can be belittled quite a lot from non-genre fans, you know, and they, they a lot of people think that, you know, the genre is not really worth much and it's just all cheap and nasty shocks and, and, and things like that, you know, all sorts of various things. So it does interest me to see the fact that it was Stephen King on that call, how he would have been viewed by, you know, Rebecca Ferguson, by Ewan McGregor when they're making that call. I think because he his name is so big, mm-hmm. it kind of transcends the genre a little bit. If Stephen King rings you as an actor or actress, <laughs> I think the only answer is yes. I don't... I don't I don't I don't think there's many actors who would be in a position to say, especially for Dr. Sleep, when they got that phone call, we are making a sequel to The Shining. Yeah. We want you to be lead roles in it. How could you say no? Yeah. You know, something as well that hadn't been touched in. Well, obviously, you had the this, this, the the 90s TV yeah. remake thing that's that's yeah. atrocious. Yeah, but for for, you know the Kubrick one hadn't been touched for 40 years as well so you know because we all know that horror loves a a a sequel or a a reboot so you know here's this opportunity to take this story to a whole new level of fans a whole new gen not even just one generation but two gen like generations worth of fans yeah so yeah I think I think you're right you know you, you don't say no to that no no you don't um, so in the books, Stephen King's, I don't know how many people know this because it's not really touched on, it, it, it's hinted at in the movies, but not really said categorically. Um, Stephen King's movies all exist in the same universe. Um, in this movie, there are references to so many books. And if you are a fan of the books, you'll have spotted them. You've got references to Dark Tower. You've got references to The Green Mile. Uh, to Dreamcatcher, to It, they're, they're all in there. I'm not going to tell you where they are because there's fucking, there's literally hundreds of them. There's one almost every single scene. Um, so if you are a fan of the books and you've not seen this, go and see it because it will be, there's a lot in there for people who read the books who, who it's only for them. <laughs> it's not for everyone else. Um, and the final one I've got is the, you see a missing poster for Baseball Boy. 
I don't know what his name is. We'll call him Baseball Boy. <laughs> um, the date that he went missing is the 21st of September, 2019. Uh, 21st of September is Stephen King's birthday. All oh, right, okay. I actually didn't know that one, so um, that, that's then, cool. I, I liked that one. And then we've got a listing, a, a listing, a listing from the factors, a fact in from the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, They've only gone and done it. The listeners have given us a fact. This week's fact comes from Stacks of Snacks, who is a regular three word reviewer, um, has now decided to delve into facts. And this fact is brilliant. Um, so this film, we've kind of touched on this throughout, but I'm going to boil it down really neat now because um, he actually says it better than I do. Uh, this film is a d- direct sequel to Kubrick's The Shining, where the Overlook Hotel is still standing. At the end, as Danny, where when Wendy and Danny escape, the novel Doctor Sleep is a sequel to Stephen King's The Shining, which ends with the explosion and the destruction of the Overlook Hotel. In the novel, the final showdown takes place at the site of the Overlook Hotel, and you get a a, a psychic battle between Rose and Abra. Um, which has got Valkyries and winged horses and swords and plate metal armor and all that kind of stuff. Um, and ends with Rose basically being thrown off the cliff, off the overlook. Um, in the movie, Flanagan's hands were tied. So this takes place in the overlook hotel. And because of that, he cut out a lot of the Valkyries and the, the plate metal armor and all of that got cut to fit into the hotel narrative as opposed to just an open plain area where they could do what they wanted. Yeah. It's um, like you say, his hands were definitely tied. Um, it would have been very interesting to see that uh, the, the, uh, the, uh, the novel ending. <laughs> I think that would have been quite the sight on our screens at the end of this movie. <laughs> Yeah, in the novel, she does that a couple of times. So when um, Rose goes into her mind and is rifling through the filing cabinets, um, there, again, Abra is full Valkyrie, full plate metal armour with a big sword. And, yeah, in the book, that works. I don't know how well that would have worked on screen. It sounds badass, but um, (laughs) I'm not sure, like you say, it would translate perfectly to, uh, to the big screen I, I think it would but it wouldn't translate perfectly to the big screen following Kubrick shining yeah it, it just it doesn't fit um as for fuck-ups this week um there are some fuck-ups in there they're all dull as dishwater they really <laughs> are so boring they're like boom mic at one minute 26 so I'm not going to do any of them and we're going to jump straight into this week's edition of save me We all go a little mad sometimes. Groovy. Be afraid. Be very afraid. It's all for you! They're coming to get you, Barbara. The census taker once tried to test me. Get out! Get out! Oh, shit. What? He's gone. So, save me. The rules are simple. Um, There's 15 multiple-choice questions. Um... The idea is to get as far through as you can. Uh, if you get all 15, you get the full house, you likelihood you're going to win the season. Uh, <laughs> at the moment, 
Lisa is in first place. She's got 120 points. Um, you can walk away from the quiz at any time with the points you've got. Um, you get safe points. So at question five, uh, if you get that right, you're safe. You'll always have 50 points, 10 points per question. Um, but if you would get question seven wrong, you drop back down to 50 points. Um, you get three save me's, which change each week. Uh, this week, the save me's are double your chances. So I'll take away two of the incorrect answers. Uh, you've got swap the question uh, where I will swap it for a doctor sleep related question. Um, <laughs> and you've got a straight skip it. You can just skip the question, have the points and move on to the next one. Mm. So are you ready? I, I am as ready as I'll ever be. OK, here we go. Question number one. Doctor Sleep is a sequel to what movie? It, Pet Cemetery, The Green Mile, or The Shining? Well, that, that, I hope that's I hope that's the level of all the questions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, th- I think it's The Shining. It is The Shining. That's ten points. Uh, question number two: What is the villain in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre called? Pinhead, Leatherface, Ghostface, or Jason Voorhees? That would be Leatherface. That's twenty points. Uh, question number three. Which horror movie depicts a character dying by crashing their dirt bike into an invisible wall? Cabin in the Woods, Event Horizon, Final Destination, or Hellraiser? I love that scene. It's the Cabin in the Woods. It is Cabin in the Woods, and I love that, I love that movie. Yes. <laughs> uh, question number four. Uh, which actress slept in bloody clothes for three days while filming, while filming her role to make it look more authentic? Was it Jamie Lee Curtis, Sissy Spacek, Neve Campbell, or Heather Langenkamp? I think that's Sissy Spacek. Okay, it is, and that's 40 points. Don't forget, you've got your save means if you, if you want them. Uh, question number five. They start getting a little bit harder from here on. Excellent. <laughs> uh, how many people involved in The Exorcist died during production? Seven, eight, nine, or ten? Now, I remember when... I covered this a while ago, and this was on our trivia about how many people died, and I cannot for the life of me remember. So you've got your save me's there, so you've got double your chances where I'll take away two wrong ones. You can swap it for a dot sleep theme question, or you can just skip it completely. I think I'm going to use my skip it just to get me to the safe point. <laughs> okay, that's fine. So you, you've skipped that. Uh, the answer was nine. Nine. I knew it was uh, obviously from your answers, but I knew it was quite it was quite uh, a lot of people. But I couldn't for the life of me remember how yeah, many. Yes, a scary amount of people to design mm-hmm. on production. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, question number six: uh, What is the name of the goat who played Black Philip in The Witch? Billy, Mandy, Gary, or Charlie? I've not seen The Witch. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of those sort of gaps in knowledge that I have from the last few years. Um, um, You've got your two save me. You can either (sighs) take two wrong answers away, which isn't going to help you if you don't have a clue. I I think I'll swap this one for um, a Doctor Sleep question. You're going to swap it for Doctor Sleep. The answer was Charlie. It was Charlie the goat. Mm. Um, So the Doctor Sleep question is, before Rose the Hat was was known as Rose the Hat, she was known as what? Welsh Rose, Scottish Rose, Irish Rose, or English Rose? <sighs> You've still got your other save me if you can use that on this question. Well, I mean, she, she is Irish. 
So it would stand to reason that it is Irish Rose, right? That that just makes logical sense. Yeah, you get um, that? Yeah, I'll go with that. That's correct. So you are now on 60 points and you've okay. got one save me left. One left. Uh, question number seven. Uh, what horror villain attacks you in your dreams? Pinhead, Freddy Krueger, Ghostface or Michael Myers? It'd be Freddy Krueger. It's Freddy Krueger, that's 70 points. I would like to see Michael Myers attack you. <laughs> Just very slowly. <laughs> uh, question number eight. Uh, we're going to stick with Freddy Krueger. Uh, how much screen time does he get in the original A Nightmare on Elm Street? Seven minutes, eight minutes, 27 minutes or 28 minutes? I think it's either seven or eight. I don't think it's that much. I don't think he gets as much as 27 can I use my last, um, my last? Yep. Your last save me. Save me, please. Yep. So we'll take away two wrong answers. So does Freddy Krueger? Is he in the movie for seven minutes or twenty-seven minutes? I'm gonna go with seven minutes. That's correct. Eighty points. Uh, question number nine. So you're getting closer to the other save point now as well, which <clears> is good. Uh, question number nine. What brand of doll was Chucky in the original movie? Was he a buddy doll, a good guy doll, a bad batch doll, or a be my friend doll? He was a good guy doll. He was a good guy doll, so that's 90 points. So if you get this question right, you're on question 10 and you're, you're safe. Uh, how many versions of the thing have there been? One, two, three, or four? As in movies? Yeah. So you've got John Carpenter's The Thing, you've got the prequel uh, that came out in 2011 I think it is and then you've got the thing from another world so that would be three maybe three that's correct so you're, on, so you're now on 100 points and you are safe on 100 points you could take a breath for a moment <laughs> <laughs> so you, you're safe you're only five questions away now from, from doing it um, don't forget you can walk away at any time because you've got no savings left now so you're um, you're all out on your own it's all with knowledge <laughs> <laughs> oh no uh, you ready to go back in let's go okay question number 11 who directed Poltergeist from 1982 Steven Spielberg Tope Hooper Mark Victor or Sam Raimi I oh. now this is one of those things where I'm just going to suddenly doubt myself first into my head popped Tope Hooper but for some reason, I'm convincing myself that it was Steven Spielberg. And I'm going to go with my initial gut and go Tobe Hooper. It's good you did. It's the <sighs> answer. <laughs> uh, Steven oh. Spielberg, I believe, was producer on it. Yeah, that would be why I was doubting myself. Uh, question number 12. So if you get this one right, you're tied in first place. Mm. Uh, what was the budget for the lift? based horror movie Devil in 2010 was it 6 million 10 million 12 million or 30 million don't forget you can walk away with 110 points if you'd rather I've seen this movie I kind of like this movie I do um, I can't imagine it was particularly high budget it's all set in the one location what was, can you go through the options again for me? Uh, yeah, so it was 6 million, 10 million, 12 million, or 30 million. I think it's going to be one of the lower ones. 
we don't have like a massive massive star in it so it's not like someone's coming in demanding loads of money i'm gonna go with 10 million i'm just gonna go for it why not we only yeah. live once you're correct. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was just a total guess. Total guess. You are tied in first place now, so if you get this right, you will be leading the pack. <sighs> um, question 13. E.T. was originally conceived as a horror movie, but what was it going to be called? Dark Skies, Night Skies, Evil Skies, or Broken Skies? I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> you don't have to guess. You can walk away or you, you can take a punt at it. But yeah, E.T. is originally going to be a horror, which I'd love to see E.T. as a horror. I mean, E.T. is kind of nightmare fuel, as it is anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have no idea. So if I, if I go for this, it's it's a total, total guess. Um, I just need to sort of d- decide with myself whether I want to... To go for it or not? Do you well, want to hear the options? Again? Yeah, yeah. Let me hear those again. Uh, so you've got dark skies, night skies, evil skies, or broken skies. I'm gonna take a punt because why not? And I'm gonna go for dark skies. Game over. So you dropped down to a hundred points. Well done. Good, good for having a go at it. Yeah, you you, you only live once. You might as well go for it. Uh, the answer was night skies. And that was the uh, that was the other one that I was t- tossing between the two. Uh, the, the crazy thing is, apparently, in the original script, um, one of the things that ET was going to do when he was adopted by the family was basically pol- dismember the mother. <laughs> Give that to D. Wallace. <laughs> the, the, the character design for E.T. apparently was the same. <laughs> I, I, I really want someone make that movie for yeah, me. Yeah, someone surely can do that now. And just, yeah. I, w- I, would, I would like to see that. I, I would like to see the friendly, fluffy E.T. we know who's been done, who's done <laughs> B.T. adverts, d- d- dismembering a body with his bare hands. It would just be like this weird E.T. the Thing crossover, wouldn't it? And <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm 100% in for that. Where do I sign? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that was this week's Save Me. Ian, podcast of the damned, 100 points, joint, third place. Okay, let's get into my final thoughts and then we'll get your final take on it. We'll, we'll give it some scores as well. Um, so for me... Doctor Sleep is the perfect sequel to Kubrick's movie. It pays enough tribute to the books while still working within the constraints that Flanagan was given. Um, The performances from the cast across the board are all, all fantastic. There's not one dud character. It's a movie that I revisit regularly, along with The Shining, um, it's in my top 10 movie creeping into my top five for me it's a it's a 10 out of 10 and for fear the just the the scenes where you've got the the child endangerment and the children being killed that coupled with the creepy bathtub bitch who I really don't like um th- this is a scary film this is an eight out of ten for me um 
Ian, what's your final thoughts and scores on this? So obviously not going to be quite as high as the scores that that you've given it, but you know, it does have some some positive aspects to it. And there are certain things that I do agree with you on. I think their performances are, are really fantastic. I think at times this film is is really brutal and I appreciate that. I also appreciate the fact that Mike Flanagan had to work under some constraints and that meant there were certain avenues that he sort of had to go down. However, I think it makes for a disjointed film as I said earlier I have huge issues with the pacing overall of the film I think the film feels like just all over the place and it does end up for me feeling like just two separate entities completely clashing together with the first portion of the film compared to what we get in the Overlook Hotel now when you get to the Overlook Hotel I absolutely love some of the callbacks and things but I think overall it makes for a bit of a choppy experience for me. Um, so not the perfect sequel uh, for me. I'm going to give it overall, um, I'm actually going to give it a slightly high, I, I am a little bit higher on it than when I reviewed this on, on our show almost six months ago now. So I'm going to give it a five out of 10 and I'm all... <laughs> I'm going to be that person who's right down the middle. We said no one's down the middle and I'm giving it a five out of 10 um, because I do appreciate though that there are some, there are some, some great things in there. And then for scary factor, I think you're, you're right. Like where it is brutal, it's very brutal. It's very terrifying. The baseball boy scene, I think in particular, you know, exemplifies that, but there's a lot of movie where there's not a lot of scary stuff happening. So I'm going to give that a five out of 10 as well. Five out of 10 as well. Okay, so our overall scores for the movie, uh, 7.3 out of 10 uh, for, for the film itself and a 6 out of 10 for, for Fear. I don't, I don't think they're fair, but hey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, th- this, th- this show is scored and run by the listeners. If the listeners say it's a 7.3, I say it's a 10, it's 7.3. That, that's <laughs> what it gets. Um, if you want to go and watch this after listening to me and Ian disagree on it for, for an hour and a bit... <laughs> Um, in the UK, it's available on uh, Prime and it's also available on Virgin Go. You can rent it pretty much everywhere else. Um, if you're in the States, it's not streaming anywhere um, for free, oh. um, but you can rent it everywhere from anywhere from $2 up to $8. So it's it, it, it's available, readily available and easy to watch. Um, I'm not being funny. If you're a horror fan and you collect DVDs or you collect VHS, well, no, not VHS, but if you collect DVD or Blu-ray, this should be in your collection anyway. Just go and give it a watch. Um, Ian, thank you for, for coming on and coming on and disagreeing with me for, for an hour and a bit. I, I do appreciate it. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. I always love having a disagreement with someone. Yeah, <laughs> as nice as it is when we all agree, the world doesn't work like that. No, Movies it doesn't. Are subjective and it's what's great for someone is not great for someone else. And it's yeah, it's and that's why we love the genre so much as well. So. Yeah, and, and we are graced with a lot of shit in our genre as well. <laughs> <laughs> no other genre gets the shit that we get. You would no. get a movie like Zombievers creep up in the action genre. That just wouldn't happen. That was a particular um, favourite of ours to review. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I listened to your episode on that. You love that film. <laughs> it's bottom of our leaderboard for a reason. Uh, yeah, exactly that. Um Everyone listening, make sure you do go and check out Ian and Nico. Um, it's Podcast of the Damned. Um, you find them easy on Instagram, 
Twitter. How can I put this? Everywhere that I am, Podcast of the Damned is. It's really simple. Use the search <laughs> bar and type in Podcast of the Damned and you will find it. It's, that, it's really that easy. Um, next week. So next week is a big week. Uh, next week is Scream for It week. Um, we will be looking at Scream 5. Um, Elise is back, or Horror Review Girl, uh, which means we're going to bring in the swear count and we will count the amount of times that Elise says, fuck shit bollocks or anything else along those lines and it's going to be i'm going triple digits now i'm I'm annoyed now i've been on my best behavior for this entire episode (laughs) anyone who's listened to one of our shows knows that we definitely need one of those one of those counts (laughs) um uh, at least come on and done a a youtube review for what for a youtube episode videoed episode um and i got so many messages going how many times does she swear she's so angry (laughs) But we did review uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween too, so she had a right. Oh, well, then that's completely understandable. (laughs) Absolutely understandable. Um, So that's next week. Uh, Also, don't forget, uh, we're back on YouTube on the 1st of February. Uh, We've got Heather from Wednesday Wine and Horror coming back to to join us. And we're reviewing The Thing, uh, the 1982 one, not the 2011 piece of shit. (laughs) Um, and then the 15th of February, we launched the True Crime podcast, where, again, Heather's joining me for that. Um, and we are doing Jack the Ripper. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's, there's shitloads going on. Um, go and subscribe to the show wherever you can. Give us a five star rating. Leave us a review. Uh, five star ratings on Spotify and Apple Podcasts really, really help. Um, to give you an idea of what it actually does, because I, I, I say it every week and I, I've I've actually found out what it does now. So if you give me a five star rating on Apple, that will put me up uh, leaderboards and search results by quite a few podcasts. So if I get five or six of those, I could jump up like 30 places and pick up another 50 listeners, which makes the show bigger and better for, for everyone. So please, please, please spend two seconds and give me a five star review. Um, also, you can leave us a message and you can call into the show. You can do that at our website, which is yourunpodcast.com, or you can go to anchor.com forward slash yourunpodcast and you can do it there as well. Um, that's all I'm going to ask you to do. I've asked you for a lot. Um, thank you very much for listening. Um, thank you again, Ian, for, for coming on. Um, go and check out Ian's show. Uh, I genuinely mean that. Ian and Nico have got a great relationship and, yeah, they argue a lot, more than me and Ian did. <laughs> every week not on a single episode goes by <laughs> um stay safe be good and i'll catch you all next next blah 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 i'll try that again <laughs> you did so well you got all the way to the end <laughs> i know i i don't know the whole episode without a fuck up damn it <laughs> uh stay safe be good i'll catch you all next week put your hands up thank you for listening to this week's episode Don't forget, leave us a review wherever you can and recommend us to a friend. This is the You Run podcast because you run and control the show. To get involved, head over to our website, yourunpodcast.com, where you can record us a voicemail. That voicemail I will play on the air. Use that to say whatever you want. Are we good? Are we bad? Do you want a movie review? It's up to you. This is your show. Not only that, you can get involved on all of our social medias. We're at You Run Podcast pretty much everywhere. Join in in the three-word review. Give us a fact. Ask us a question anytime. 
whatever it is, this is your show. This is the You Run Podcast. You want to die tonight? <laughs>